Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the podcast that bridges the generation gap by uniting us against a different generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that could apply that's... in a lot of different directions to a lot of different things. I feel, I just feel like if you listen to Breaking Mayberry long enough, you're going to forge alliances uh, against the boomers slash the greatest generations. I think you know we're we're part of that Gen X Gen Z millennial uh, coalition. We should we should apply to to Gen Z a little bit more. Honestly, we're we're very much a Gen a millennial Gen X podcast. Gen Z wants nothing to do with us. If we are the olive branch to Gen Z, it will be slapped away. I mean, I don't think they even listen to podcasts that don't involve like murderers. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, and we're not recording a TikTok. This is not working at all. This has been a our podcast doesn't have enough stunts. We don't. We See, don't have every, enough riz. We're not. We're not rizzed up. God, every time we try to talk about Gen Z, even a little bit, we both age ten years. I'm I'm pulling the ripcord on this. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. Look, I have an excuse. I have an excuse for why I'm I'm not at, on my game right now, and I'm I'm gonna make the uh, the confession right now. So this past weekend, uh, I long story short, my father's sick, uh, mm. and my father is sick with something that does not give him really great odds of uh, of making it through the year. So good thing I don't host a podcast about fatherhood or anything. Mm-hmm. Good, th- good thing we don't do that. And, and Marty cries on the podcast to the bingo card. <laughs> I mean, you you made it. It was very really like it was ha- probably hard for you. Your we, your dad, you lost your dad when uh, we were doing this show too. Uh, but I'm gonna get weird and sad this year. That's uh, what I'm saying. But things are okay for now. I had to do a bunch of stuff this weekend, getting my dad out of the hospital. Right now, things are at a, a decent plateau. But when something like this happens, uh, your f- decision-making kind of goes out the window. You do things in survival mode that you probably wouldn't do. And you make weird decisions, which is why my wife, as soon as we got back from setting my father up, you know, getting him out of the hospital, went grocery shopping to pick out some things went to aldi and came back with a 10 pound bone in spiral cut ham like a cartoon ham like a cartoon ham like which according to countryliving.com i looked it up is the right size for an easter dinner of seven to ten people or for tom to hit jerry with (laughs) 10 then there is so much ham in my home you, my so, fridge is just <laughs> spilling over with ham, and it turns out my cat loves ham. That's his favorite thing in the world. So I've been slamming those hammy sammies all week, dude. I'm, uh-huh. just, I'm going to walk out of this just like sad about my father, and also just numb to the taste of cured like pork butt. Like you, what you've done is you're going to eternally associate the taste of cured ham with sorrow. Like, yes, if anything, this is ruining ham for me. You're going to have ham on a pizza and just break down in tears. No, exactly. Like, like it's bad enough. Like I've had to think about this. If my, if I do lose my dad, right, then I'm going to be sad about like Bruce Springsteen and, you know, and my favorite movie is a goofy movie. That's going to make me sad. And now it's also ruining ham. You're taking away ham. As somebody that's been there before, I do need to give you the advice. If you hear cats in the cradle. You just gotta leave. You just gotta get oh. out of there. You just gotta oh. get the hell out of there. It'll ruin gotta, your month. I, I gotta just like any any like shop I go to, like Cat Stevens might be around just waiting to fuck my shit up. Just like ruin your whole goddamn week. It's not time to make it fuck off, Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens elbow dropping you in the soul. Gotta watch out. There's there's a whole bunch of shit you gotta watch out. 
<laughs> Welcome to the dad sorrow game. You got to keep your head on a fucking swivel. Keep going. Keep on it. Keep on somebody it. Put, somebody is going to try to put on Field of Dreams at some point. You get the fuck out. You got to oh, oh, go. I, I, you can't even look at Kevin Costner, right? Like, no. No. The, the cause is, ooh. Is Kevin Costner the cause, right? I feel, like, I feel like for a long time, people called Cosby the cause, but I feel like he's hey, relinquished. Like, we're, we're we repealing that nickname. We can give it to Cosner. Yeah, yeah, Cosner. If the cause, if the cause is, is there, you got to run. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, if, I mean, if you, like, if you, like, did Kevin Costner's face as an inkblot, those, like, creases and folds in that man's face just spells out dead dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> he's he's just like the the has this man appeared in your dreams face but just for mourning <laughs> my my dad is still alive and for the moment doing well alive. so yes doing well dan you said Mine's you had dead. something to tell me yeah i did i i, I knew that buddy you okay yeah <laughs> doing real good this episode first time <laughs> We actually have sponsors, but I now like that's a good announcement. Like we have to have sponsors now, but I don't think we're gonna do them on nobody, this episode. Nobody tell them about this one. So I this is lighter and I this Thank this God. Occur- this occurred to me and I was like, this will make Marty happy, I think. But because it's December, one of the more obscure tangential it's pieces January. of January. Christ- Sorry, because it's been December. One of the more obscure tangential pieces of Christmas music, like not really Christmas music, but gets played a lot in the season. Favorite things yeah. like <laughs> the puppies and ribbons and string and other ribbons like that whole fucking song. <laughs> that was like playing in Dan, a Walgreens. A I need to know what you think the lyrics to my favorite things are. It's just a lady like listing soft stuff that she's into. Like... It's Bits, basically I an remember. Amazon wish list. It's, a, it's, it, it's an OnlyFans <laughs> model's Amazon wish list set to music. I just remember one of them is bits of string. It's brown paper packages tied up in string, dude. Yeah. It's the package that she wants a present. She wants presents. Right. So, so that was playing like a Walgreens. And I had like this flashback memory, like the camera zooms in on my eye. But my freshman year of high school, and I had a really good English teacher that did a bunch of like cool shit. And one of the things he did was he played us that song, the original My Favorite Things. And then he played us John Coltrane's Favorite Things. Mm-hmm. And he explained who John Coltrane was, be like, he revolutionized jazz. This great figure died tragically of heroin. And, and then he played us the song. And this and is English sat, class? This is English class. This guy ruled. Okay. And we sat there and we listened. And he was like, so you'll notice he didn't really say anything. It's just music. From that, what do you think John Coltrane's favorite things were? And a kid in the front row shot his hand up and just went, heroin. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not in a being a smart ass way. Just be like, ooh, ooh, I got it. And the teacher just went, I mean, yeah. And then just moved on to the next thing. It was like, I, this isn't going to work. These kids are too fucking stupid. We're just going to go on to the next thing. But just the idea of a kid going like, I got it. The thing he mentioned killing him five minutes ago. (laughs) I wish I could remember which kid that was so I could message him on Facebook. Like, hey, man, you remember this? Remember that time you said a real dumb thing in our freshman English class? I don't think that's a dumb thing at all. I think that's a pretty smart thing. I mean, yeah, I think he was looking for like a deeper analysis. But yeah. I mean, what the fuck's it's it's it it's English class. I, I I feel I feel like your English teacher is trying to really pull some like I'm gonna reach these kids. With he the was music trying to cold train. He's he's really going for some my captain, my oh captain, my captain shit. And he's like, and he he's like a fucking 
English teacher at Buttfuck High, like Massachusetts. So, yeah, that Buttfuck High, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's where you went, right? Buttfuck but High, Massachusetts, where I never read Moby Dick, but I read most Stephen King novels as part of the official curriculum. I mean, no high schooler reads Moby Dick anyway, right? I don't think. I just assumed. I if, if anything, it would be a place in New England. But, uh, but yeah, you, you you would never read a Bronte sisters novel. Yeah. No, no. I mean, they don't. we don't read Moby Dick in New England because they're like, it's mostly about how to tie knots and hunt whales. And we're just, like, we know that. Like, we're, we're a yeah, seafaring yeah. people. Like, I know how to kill a whale. You don't need to tell me about it. It's, it's like a birth knowledge. Actually, that's funny. Being from Oregon, I actually do also know how to kill a whale or really how to dispose of whale carcasses. It's with 17 tons of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> We've never talked about this. Do you want to like take a weekend and go kill whales together? This is a different whales. You, you, yeah. you shoot them, I'll explode them. Yeah. If anyone, I, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, there is a famous, you can Google Oregon whale explosion. <laughs> there are songs written about it. There's a famous uh, occasion in the 70s where a beached, humpback whale appeared on the coast of i want to say brookings oregon gold beach oregon somewhere on the oregon coast uh that i've i've been to a couple of times and i've i've been to the site of this and it was there for like a week and a half while various governments fought over whose responsibility was this it's on the beach it's the park departments no it belongs to the city no it's outside of the state limits it belongs to the state until finally it landed in the uh somehow the hands of the Oregon State Department of Transportation. I have no idea how this happened. And they kind of looked around going, we have no whale disposal things. But you know what we do have? Dynamite. <laughs> and so as, as if they were blasting a tunnel, they how, shoved. This is not just, just brief pause. How long into this process was the whale alive? Like. Was I mean, I feel like dead from the word go. I think I think the whale was dead to begin with. Right? Okay. Yeah, there was no there was no chance of saving this whale. It turned up dead on the beach. So now you've just got like rotting whale carcass. And the Oregon Highway Patrol Department or the Oregon Highway, yeah, I think it's Highway Patrol. Uh, they shove, they just load it up with TNT and C four and whatever. And you can find the video of this of the exploding whale. And then they blew it the hell up. They blow it sky high. This is 1976, I want to say. And do you know what happens then, Dan? It rains <laughs> flaming whale carcasses from the sky because it doesn't, like, disintegrate it. No. It doesn't even really take out the whale. It just blows whale parts miles away. Like, like chunks of whale are just running through people's Volkswagens, just landing Eddie. on them in town. To do enough to fully obliterate the whale to the point of it mattering, you would have to, like, be firing these things with, like, bullet speed. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that rules. They, you said you've been there. Was there. Is there a monument? Is there a monument? There's, like, a statue of <laughs> just an exploding whale. I think it's the thing that the city would rather forget, and we will never let them forget it. <laughs> There's just a statue of like the whale like jumping out of an explosion. Like like, like just the whale made out of fire be like like they were actually trying it, to like they're actually trying to do like a giant defibrillator. They're hoping they could like pump it back to life. If we make a yeah. large enough explosion, then the whale will go, "Oh shit. Oh, 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 oh boy. Oh <laughs> man." <laughs> Thanks guys. Yeah. Ah, just the, free Willy back into the ocean. How do you think it was like for the guy who, when they were pitching it, initially suggested dynamite? Like, do you think he, like, just immediately like shot out like dynamite? It's dynamite. That's how we're gonna do it. Or was he like, like they've been pitching ideas for like three hours, and he was like, "Hear me out. What about dynamite?" And I imagine that everyone else around was like, what about dynamite? Yeah, dynamite. And it just kind of ripples through the crowd. Dynamite, 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 dynamite. And then they start singing dynamite, 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 dynamite. dynamite. And there's a little. 
I got a plan and it sure won't fail. (laughs) We're going to use C4 to blow up that whale. It's going to go sky high. (laughs) (laughs) Or or the alternative is that they were all really pissed off that like the parks department shunted this off on them. Be like those fucking pricks like making us deal with this. They know goddamn well that this is their beach, but they don't have it in the budget. So, you know, you know what? Let's just blow up the fucking whale. Fuck you. See how you like it. Enjoy cleaning whale debris off of your fucking park for six months, dickheads. I like how you slipped into a Massachusetts accent for that for a second. (laughs) It's the only way I can do an angry working man. I would like to point out, though, now that, like, this means that in the Oregon State Charter somewhere, somebody had to write, uh, (laughs) because of this incident, like a standard operating procedure for whale disposal. Now that we know what not to do. (laughs) Just, like... Just a Goofus and Ga- is it Goofus and Galahad? Is Goofy- that what Gallant? Gallant. Close. Goofus and Gallant. Like Goofus sticks dynamite into the whale. <laughs> like- <laughs> Gallant gets a hacksaw. I've had some time to think about this. I feel like what you would want to do is crane, right? Crane or just like, well, wait. Because can you just put the whale back into the ocean? I feel like it would just immediately wash back up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. You would have but to if- get it, like, into the ocean. Like, into it. I, I'm I think- sure that, I'm sure before before they reached Dynamite, somebody considered Catapult. I was gonna say Catapult, but I think if you give me, <laughs> I think the best way to do it is bulldozer the whale into the water until it is like floating it has to be floating and then you just take like a boat motor and you just pop it into that sucker <laughs> like it's like it. breath of the wild you're just gonna attach yeah. it with the with the hand yeah and then you just <laughs> and you just give a slap and you just watch it go <laughs> yeah it just takes off i'm assuming the whale is buoyant and it's then it's Japan's it's, problem when it initi- eventually hits them. Japan, yeah, it's the right direction. Australia correct. probably. It would, I mean, it would probably like drift a little. But yeah, like those, like the Garfield phones. Yeah, All the right. Garfield phones that have just been intermittently washing up on like Italy. Yeah, for like ten years. All right, let's <sighs> go ahead and talk about uh, today's episode. Uh, today's episode is Opie's Newspaper. Originally airs March 22nd, 1965, written by Harvey Bullock. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the last time we see Bullock this season, but not the last time we see him ever. Actually, it's the second to last time. We uh, we only got one more uh, Bullock episode after this. Trying to hold a mirror up to society, Bullock? Real? R- really? This is the one where you get deep? Uh, it's not. It's not that great. That's right, buddy. Batman. This is Batman doing this. This is Batman. We're, we're doing the Batman bit. We only we're have doing a couple the, more. We're bringing it back. We only have a couple more opportunities to do the Batman bit, so like we should do it. Written by Harvey Bullock, directed by Kobe Ruskin. Here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Opie publishes local gossip in his newspaper, embarrassing Andy, Barney, and Aunt B, who had made unflattering comments about fellow townspeople. I want to get this out of the way right now. I love this episode. Kicks ass instead Uh, of doing the thing i thought it was going to do it did a good thing and it felt so great instead of being bad it was good and it turns out that's enjoyable i was expecting it to do something really bad and annoying and instead it didn't and i was really pumped about it yeah this episode and the next one i i I think are all timers i loved this so let's go ahead and and run through this. We're opening up with Andy hanging out in the Andy's hanging out in the jail, and Opie comes in with a fresh copy of his new newspaper, The Mayberry Sun, which he is publishing. He's publishing with a friend Howie Pruitt because Howie Pruitt got like a printing press, a printing yeah. kit for his birthday, which. 
Yeah, all right. It's a f- weird birthday present, but okay, Howie, that sounds cool. Not like, anti it as a present, either on the giving or receiving end. It seems like a cool thing to give a child. I think if I got it as a child, I would be moderately pumped. I would give it a spin. I think, assuming Howie said like some shit about wanting to be a newspaper man, and the parents, yeah, were like, I think let's that'd be jump neat. on that healthy idea. Yeah, go for it. Let them do it. Uh, so they have their own news sheet. And it has, like, all the playground reportings. In fact, literally, like, stories about a girl, like, skinning her knee on a playground and a kid getting a part in the school play. So, it's you know, it's a school newspaper. I actually, I feel like in the 60s, school newspapers were probably pretty common. But, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he gives, Andy encourages this, and he thinks this is really cool, really neat. And he attempts to buy a paper from Opie for the price of three cents. Mm -hmm. He asks Opie if he has change for a quarter. And Opie does not because he has not sold a single newspaper. Except to the other children in his class. Opie thinks, hey, maybe I can go over to the grocery store and then I'll sell some more newspapers and I'll come back and I'll give you change for that quarter, dad. Uh, And he runs off. Now is when this scene happens. And. Barney comes back from the the barber shop and he complains that his haircut took so long because Floyd and another dude were gossiping about some old widow who is stepping out. Barney claims that he didn't read didn't hear any of it because he was reading his National Geographic. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the the thing is the thing he says is these two old men were gossiping, but you know me, I can't, I, I, I can't hear anything when I'm reading a national geographic. I didn't have any part in this. And then recites the gossip to perfect clarity and adds his own color commentary. And at the end, Andy asks, so what was the national geographic about? And Barney just goes, Africa. Fucking good. pretty good, good joke. Nails it. But Nails it. The contents of the um uh of the gossip are um this widow whose husband hasn't been dead very long has started sleeping with a traveling salesman because they were seen at a diner together eat sitting on the same side of a booth while eating steak. They even and, get the cut of the steak. Yeah, and it's a New York cut. And they they say that um she has already spent his deathbed money, $95 on it on slip covers for all of her furniture that she's now hanging out with her salesman boyfriend on. And then Barney adds some weird color commentary of, well, she's always been like this. A it's color. It's dark haired li- woman. It's literally color commentary because he comments on the color of her hair. He, I, Barney calls her a dark-haired woman. Yeah, yeah. All brunettes are sluts, basically. Yeah, and and then says, you know, she banged a contractor. Yeah, that's true. He he also kind of says, you know, that he was yeah, uh, their hired man. You know, you know when they had like an addition to their house. Yeah, she was fucking the contractor too. They just sit there and gossip about that about this brunette. Barney isn't Barney's isn't Barney's girlfriend a brunette? Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, might be why he is totally okay disregarding her as a human. Barney. He also gets on another woman for having dyed hair this episode as well. He's got some weird, like, obsession with women's hair in this episode. He, but this show has gotten, like, way more overtly sexual. Like, but only in the context of, like, calling 50-year-old women sluts. Right. Like the back, like when we first started this and we were like, please, for the love of God, acknowledge that people can fuck. And now they do, but only in the context of being like, you know, who's fucking behind closed doors. Do you? These two people that almost shouldn't. (laughs) A woman whose husband has been dead. Not quite long enough. You know what I really comes out of is, you know, who's fucking the horse. Yes. The horse are fucking. Andy, I 
Andy, I didn't know if you were aware of this, but gossip on the street is that all women are sluts. I don't know if you were up on this. <laughs> I've been, I've <clears throat> been reading some literature, and I have some thoughts on this subject. Yeah, there's like a joke in the episode now that is just being like, hey, that woman's fucking. She shouldn't be. I judge her. I, I, I lay judgment upon thee. That sexual woman. <laughs> what I like about this scene, though, and this is something that we haven't seen. Bullock is you know, actually bringing heat. Is, this is a somewhat unrelated throwaway gag, but it's still thematically relevant to the theme of the episode, which yeah. is about like adults penchant for gossip. Yeah. So after they tell that bit. And. Opie walks in trying to sell a newspaper to Barney and explains that nothing happened at the store. Barney suggests, all right, well, why don't you widen your scope? Maybe you're not selling any newspapers because adults don't really give a shit about a kid that fell down on the playground. Adults do not care about this. So he says, why don't you widen your scope? You should try to widen your scope and, and tell stories like, uh, like real journalists do. He makes up some bullshit about him having a column in the in the uh, high school paper, which only appeared once, a sports column. Barney Andy does Barney very, stuff. Like, Andy, like, very, like, cruelly points out after Opie is gone, be like, how how many times did your column did, did your column run one time and then they canceled it? Yeah, that's right, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, just kind of like pointing out, be like. Hey, just a quick reminder, you've lived a sad life without meaning. Suck it. <laughs> Getting but, really dark there, Bullock. Really, really trying to take this man down. But yeah, like, cool. Barney keeps, like, starting to give Opie advice, and then Andy keeps intercepting and being like, nope, shut up. Here's a good version of what he was about to say. Great. Like, yeah, it's been six years he's figured out how to do it. Yeah, I'd be like, you're about to do some shit to my kid that I'm going to have to fucking pay somebody money for uh, down the line. So, no. Yeah, like, finally stepping up to the plate as a parent a little bit. Uh, And he's he's pretty supportive of this whole thing. So, Opie takes the advice. Do you disagree? No, but but I was going to say... Before we get to the results of this advice, solid advice, I would say, right about adults. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right right about stuff people care about is, you know, pretty basic newspaper advice. (laughs) Dan, did you ever do anything like this as a kid? So did I do anything like this as a kid? Like do like I mean, I wrote for my like elementary school newspaper, but I was like, I did cartoons for it that weren't very good because I was reading the far side at the time. Did you did you try to do I tried to do like a Captain Underpants situation where I would like draw and write comics and then sneak into the office and sell them and or copy them and then try to sell them for a nickel. I did have that plan as a kid. I, yeah, I, but I really I could not vouch for my own quality. Oh, no, no. Cap, Cap, Captain Whatchamacallit comics were absolute garbage. That was that was. It was like a satire of, of superhero comics. I was ahead of my time. I think I ripped off Mad Magazine comics. I think I signed up to be my comics, like my newspaper's cartoonist. And then I was like, I got nothing. And then I just ripped off like a Mad Magazine. I, I remember very clearly uh, having to have an interesting conversation with my parents who put a kibosh to this whole uh, experiment because my friend and I were sitting there trying to come up and we we wrote comics around us. Okay, yeah. Captain Butcher McCulloch's got to fight a, fight a new bat a new battle all the time. Uh, okay, uh, what's this rock guy's name going to be? He's going to fight a rock monster. What's the rock guy's name? Rocky. All right, uh, he's uh, going to fight like an electricity guy. What's that guy's name going to be? Uh, Sparky. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, this guy's like like a rhinoceros dude. He's got like prongs and and pokes everywhere. What do we call him? 
horny. All right. We're going to write about if we did fourth grade. Marty wrote a comic about a guy fighting horny. Yeah. <laughs> and we wrote this. Really mirroring the, the primary struggle of your life going forward. I mean, it's, it's really like pretext. Yeah. <laughs> and that was when my, and then somebody found out the teachers were like, all right. And then, so, then I had to have a conversation and then I wasn't allowed to do the comics anymore. We also had Wait, a uh, so uh, just for the character like if if you hadn't accidentally named a character <laughs> horny, would you have been cool? Were they just like Maybe. Maybe. I they, don't think I don't think the school loved that I was using their resources for this. <laughs> Cause I was like going into the office and copying papers off. That was just basically we're like, well, now this is like a legal liability, cause if kids start talking about a horny man, uh <laughs> When they get home, then yeah, we're in some trouble. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you have we any? Also- <laughs> did you have any success with this? Did you get circulation? Uh, I mean, the fourth graders were really interested in this, but they weren't. Yeah. They were also like, like they were also illegible because I had no neither you know artistic nor writing talent. So it was gibberish. Uh, and mm-hmm. frequently people would have kids would have to walk up and ask me what a certain panel said because my handwriting was indecipherable. Uh, we actually also did have an elementary school newspaper for like a hot minute. Uh, and in that, I wrote a review of The Phantom Menace. What? I positive or negative? Yeah. <laughs> like all children at the time, you liked The Phantom Menace. I'm pretty sure my review was It is Star Wars. I like Star Wars. And then I spent part of the review explaining the concept of a prequel, which I think was <laughs> actually helpful at the time. All right. Yeah. So, so Opie and Howie hang out and they decide, they think about like, well, okay, if we're going to be like a big newspaper, what can we write about? And they go through and they're like, stock options. We can't write about that. Government roundup. Can't write about that. And they find the gossip column. Mayberry after midnight. Mayberry after midnight's been mentioned a few times. I don't know who writes this. Uh, I don't know how they haven't been strung up by a, a tree in the, in the middle of town. But Mayberry after midnight is basically a, like an anonymous gossip column that's just like, "Hey, guess which Mayberry resident's life is shitty right now? Guess yeah, which, you know, guess who's been seen going out really late at night? You know." Maybe after midnight is weird. It's just so a weird the, thing to have. The whole premise of it is they don't name names. So it's basically like we heard that somebody in town is having sex. And then you as the home listener is supposed to be like, I bet it's Tim. Like or like like one of them was like, we heard a little birdie told us that somebody is crying into her monogrammed towels, which I don't know what the fuck that's implying. I guess it's just like, I think, I think it means that they're rich, but they're sad. Like a Sophia Coppola movie. Yeah. Right. Monogram towels being a thing that rich people have. So looks like money doesn't buy happiness. Beth money yeah. won't bring your husband back. Will it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all in the fucking column is just like somebody's crying to their monogram towels guess money doesn't buy happiness beth huh guess it won't bring back your husband just this law it's long on that one it's really long think you're Someone's better than me you're it. not better than me death comes from us all bitch <laughs> so that's the plan right uh is that they decide okay we're gonna this is what we can write we can write the maybe after midnight column because that's what adults read. They like that part. Barney told us to write stuff uh, that people want to read. And my mom always reads this part. Yeah, and B always reads this. So we get a montage of Howie and and Opie spying on people around town. And the way that it goes is so funny to me. Because you'll just get a clip of... There's, there's three scenes... First is like Andy and an old man sitting on the on the bench outside the barbershop and the preacher walks by and they're like, hey, preacher, hey, well, good sermon. And then they sit there and shit talk like, oh, man, that sermon is really boring. Yeah, that preacher is dry as dust. And then it like pans off to the side. And you're no, 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 no. 
And then there's like, there's like Opie's just standing there with a notebook. Like, ah, yes. <laughs> hmm. There's one where, where they pan over and Howie is just like nonchalantly being really shitty at the yo-yo. Just yeah. like, just, just playing failing. with my yo-yo. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> just Man, like this like cup looking. and ball is really interesting. I can't hear you talk about sex at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, one of them is Andy, like kind of gets baited into calling the preacher boring. He's like, good man, good man, really great guy. And then the guy's like, but if you had to criticize something about him, well, his sermons are a little dull. I agree. He's boring as shit. Like, fuck yeah. And then they would do a little fist bump. Yeah, there's there's three examples here. There's the Andy one. There is the Aunt B one where she's on a call with some of the ladies uh, and they're talking about a church event they had. And she says that her friend makes really dry chicken. Uh, no, it's, it was chick- it was chicken a la king, and it tasted like wallpaper paste. And most importantly, she was more like, oh, my God, she wouldn't shut up about that chicken a la king recipe. And it sucked. That's <laughs> kind of what it was, right? That kind of shit talk. Uh, and then the third one is uh, Barney and Aunt B talking about, let me get these names right, Harold and Sue Grigsby. Uh, Harold Grigsby... It has a big dude, uh, and he has just married a woman who is like half his age, Sue Grigsby, uh, and says that like not only is like it weird the age gap, but also he's a freak. He's a freak about it, and every time anybody looks at at her, he goes nuts. And also, she dyes her hair. Yeah, it's a blonde straight out of a bottle. Which when we heard when they said that, I had fucking like flashbacks to season one. Cheerio Meredith, Emma, uh, Emma Watson, or Emma, yeah, I think Emma, Emma Watson was the name, you know, the character, uh, or Emma Brand. Yes, that's it. I'm going to call her Emma Brand because that's not the name of an actress. Uh, so mm-hmm. Emma Brand. Yeah. Emma Brand. According to the Mayberry, Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki, it's both. Okay. But, uh, remember Emma from season one? I do remember. Yes. Ooh, she gets her hair straight out of a bottle. That's a thing that she actually said. So I had flashbacks from that. <laughs> just the pain center of your brain activated when you oh, heard that man. phrase. Oh, man. It just went to PTSD flashbacks from that. So that's it, right? Preacher is dry and boring. That jealous, that dude's married to a, a much younger woman, and he's really jealous. And also... Uh, they don't ever mention the blonde out of bottle. It's just more of uh, Barney's obsession with women's hair. Can't yeah. fool me. She's one of those dark haired women's. And and like he gets a chuckle out of it initially and he just keeps hammering and be like, yeah, yeah. Fake hair, fake hair color. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, she shouldn't. She should have a different hair. Like it's, it's, You're saying it like like it's Beavis and Butthead. And yes, like. Barney and Aunt B do just kind of sit there and chuckle like, Claris, Clarel, bottom of a bottle, not naturally blonde. Like they do that for a minute. Yeah, it's weird. So, so they write their column. They take this material, and they do like a really kind of adorable thing of them like printing it, where it, they it's kind of like fascinating to watch because it's like they put the paper down. They do a crank with the plate. It presses. They lift it back up. They put another piece of paper in. It's like very soothing to watch. And so I think that they show them like distributing it. And the next cut is to them all in the kitchen. And Opie hands them all a copy of the newspaper before going to distribute it for the day. Right. He hands yeah. everybody a copy. He's like, we're giving these ones out for free because maybe next time people will buy them, which, all right, Ope, that's that's a business model. First taste is free. Like, yeah. Getting them, getting them addicted to it. Uh, so he hands something to Barney and to Andy and to Aunt B. It says, all right, bye. He drops that in there. I'm going to say, after the contents of this first issue, yeah, that would have worked. People would sure. have been for very sure. eager to get issue two. No. <laughs> And Not they, necessarily it, for great reasons. And it kind of goes for a second. Like, it almost goes unnoticed. 
Like they're like, all right, well, gotta go about my day, gonna do my thing, and then uh, Don Knotts gets an amazing face on this one, just yeah, a great kind of face going on when he reads, like the the uh, local local sheriff calls preacher dry as dirt, right? And so they all realize the trouble that they're going to get into. They run out, Aunt B. Barney and Andy all run out together. They meet the boys and like, hey, wh- what are you doing? Where have you put these these newspapers? And the boys go, um, I don't know, only on like half the, these three streets and the three biggest streets in town. I gotta say real quick, I don't think the boys end this episode knowing what they did wrong. No, no. It's so not the- articulated to them what, what was wrong. Well, the cool thing is, is Opie is trying to have like a normal Andy Griffith show conversation of him being like, Pa, can you explain to me why it's not okay for a child to do this thing, but it's okay for an adult to do this thing? Sort of like a moral lesson. And Andy's just like, fuck your moral lesson. You're ruining my life. The moral lesson is don't be such a dipshit all the time. (laughs) Where are the newspapers? You kidding me? And that's that's one of the things I like about this uh, episode is that it's not super preachy. There is kind of a moral, but it also like kind of reveals the hypocrisy of the adults here, right? It kind of yeah. revels in it, like that's sort of it, its whole shtick. And it, it's but, not preachy about it. It's kind of like okay, gossip is a thing you shouldn't do, but we all do, and I guess that's okay. Yeah. There's there's Which no is, journalism class. There's no uh, journalist ethics. You know, nobody explains to Opie the concept of on and off the record. No, yeah, like Andy is basically like adults are garbage. Is that what you want to hear from me? Okay, all right. Society is trash. D- tell me where the newspapers are. Like, I just love that he's kind of like like Andy does. Opie does not walk away from this a better child. He, net neutral, if anything. But I, which I what I thought was going to happen was the newspapers are going to get distributed. Everybody was going to get angry at Andy. Andy would have to do a big speech to calm everybody down. There'd be a bunch of yelling in the jailhouse or something. And instead they do a fun, almost caper. Basically, they do like a weird little heist. Yeah. Uh, where everyone is running down the street, like trying desperately to grab as many newspapers as they can. Uh, we start with Aunt B, who is running down the street, pulling things off of uh, off of uh, windshields. Uh, and eventually Aunt B runs into Mrs. Foster uh, because she like he, she like goes on Mrs. Foster's porch to pull the newspaper off. And Mrs. Foster comes out like, oh, Aunt B, what are you doing here? Would you like some of my chicken a la king? I theorize. I theorize that Miss Foster read the newspaper and is fucking yeah. with her. Absolutely. I think she knew this. Uh, she's she's going like, to bury that woman in chicken a la king on her fucking does. deathbed. She's going to be there with a plate of chicken a la king. Because in, in in order to cover, Aunt B says, oh, I just came over here to ask you for a recipe. That's why I'm standing on your porch. And then she goes, you know what? I've got a whole chicken a la king casserole in my fridge. Why don't you and Andy come over tomorrow and eat all of it? Okay, <laughs> bye. See you, bitch. Yeah, she read it. She fu- I didn't think she, that before 100. you said this, but she... Of course she brings up the fucking recipe. She's got of- it, and she's like, got you in my sights, bitch. Yeah, she's 100%. Uh, Barney is like jumping over fences like that scene in Hot Fuzz, which is also very funny. And he pulls off a, a newspaper from the from the Grigsby family. And as he's walking out, Harold and Sue Grigsby show up uh, and Harold's kind of like, hey, deputy, what are you doing here? Do you think I wasn't home? Do you come to see my wife when I wasn't home? You want to go? And Barney doesn't even have an excuse. He's like, no, I was, uh, uh, uh get out of here. And the, the, that man openly threatens to murder the deputy. It's cool. Yeah. Which I'm going to say the whole, he's half her age uh, criticism. I feel like kind of loses some heat when it's revealed that she's like 32. 
She's, like, I, she's definitely pushing 40, right? Like, yeah, like that yeah. was charitable, but like, yeah. it's like, yeah, half her age, she like, she can like rent a car at like well past that point. It's no longer that big of a fucking deal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever. Yeah, she has a fucking mortgage. Chill out. But yeah, like, so I do appreciate how fucking aggro he is and good on him for being willing to basically beat a deputy to death in the street. That's love. <laughs> I, 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 I wholeheartedly applaud being willing to kill a cop for your, uh, for your wife. That's, that's the <laughs> ultimate wife guy. Only that, only that like level of violence in the name of love. Everybody else. No, don't do it. But if you're like, I'll kill this police deputy for my wife. Good job. Good work. Yeah. Proud of you. Companies, you sure you want to sponsor us right now? Just, just, just. Breaking Mayberry officially endorses fighting cops. <laughs> I, we, not the first time. I, someone's really, you really got to listen to us, like, before you make these fucking decisions. Listen, all right, all right. Yeah. So, right before we get sponsors, I do want to say to our audience everybody be cool. Everybody be so everybody cool, be cool. all right be cool. don't blow this for us all right okay all right everybody just be chill nobody narc on how fucking weird and horrible we are just, just be cool be chill be cool just be chill be chill just don't don't fuck this up just, just, just fast forward cool. through them just be just cool be okay cool. okay Fuck this up for us. And then uh, we get to my favorite scene here uh, where uh, Andy comes up to the preacher's porch and the preacher is uh, just doing some business. He's out on his porch and uh, Andy's looking around for the newspaper and the preacher goes, oh, Andy, hey, I was wondering if you could uh, help us out, you know, start taking over some of the Sunday school courses. I know you've done it before, right? Yeah, you'll you'll be willing to help me out, wouldn't you, Andy? Uh, I guess so, preacher. I mean, I think you should do it because your lessons could never be dry as dirt. And he hands oh, over the newspaper. So I love satisfying. it. I'm sitting there just like consequences. Andy's facing consequences. Someone has some moral authority over Andy. Yeah, yeah. Which it the is- preacher is so fucking chill about this. The preacher is so cool about this. <laughs> Because this, this this old man looks him in the eye and says, I have you hogtied for a month of Sunday school and then laughs. This old <laughs> guy rules. I really like I, I like this episode because remember, we've complained that the worst thing you can do in Mayberry ever is hurt someone's feelings a little. And yeah. this is the logical end of that. Like, we've been complaining about that for five years, and now we've got, like, a result of it. Like, okay, all right, if that is the case, these three are about to become pariahs. Yes. Right? They're they're about to commit, like, the worst thing they could ever commit time and time again. Like, it, in the scenario where this does get out, they, it is it does make sense that they could not do that storyline because, yeah, they would have to leave town. Like they would right. have to move, not even move. They would not be able to sell the house. Like they would just have to burn it down and leave. There would be pitchforks involved. Yes, you were. They were mildly rude. They would have yeah. <laughs> like they were. They might have to kill themselves. Like there, that might be the only escape. It would be like full on invasion of the body snatchers on them. Uh, it'd be really funny if like they walked into the, the church on Sunday and there were just copies distributed amongst all the pews. Just the preachers just like, ah, I thought you might all enjoy some reading material as my sermon seemed to be too boring. Mm. Just this old man makes it his mission to ruin Andy's fucking life. No, he's cool. He got what he wanted. He said straight up, like, I think I came out ahead in this deal. It's yeah. great. It rules. I have leverage over you. <laughs> it's true. Which well, I am going to start saying I have people hogtied when I uh, when I have leverage over them. 
uh, I just let's just put a pin in that that the local preacher has rev has leverage over the town sheriff. Maybe yeah. that will come up later on. The system remember that. And so the plan at that point for our three heroes is to just wait it out. Just like okay, I guess we'll go home and get if if no one calls or throws a rock through our window, then uh, I guess that was a bad example because rocks do get thrown through windows regularly. We've got like a character on this show whose whole thing yeah. is doing that. We haven't been firebombed. Uh, if yeah. I, if Barney starts the squad car and there's no explosions, I think we'll be okay. Um, they're waiting around like it's that scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where there's about to be a huge shootout where right. they're just like the to- the clock is ticking and they're just like, well, no one's tried to kill us yet. I think they, they basically I think the one one of the lines is, well, we haven't heard from anybody's lawyer, so I think we're OK. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what Andy says. Like, well, it's 8.30 p.m. and there's no lawyer calls. So I think we're okay. I was like, there's not a time limit on this, man. Like, someone yeah. could read it tomorrow. You understand that, right? I mean, I would be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my fucking life. If anybody used a single word from that article, I would, like, jump out of my skin. And then Opie puts... Everybody's ready to go to bed, and he says to everybody, all right, well, I'm sorry for the thing that I did wrong, which I clearly understand and am able to articulate. Sorry about that. I can't believe we did that for two whole pages. And everyone's like, two whole pages? I thought that was going to be the end of the episode. I thought that was going to be it. It is not, and I'm so thankful for it. Opie says, yeah, we were on a roll. We had so much stuff. We decided to do issue two at the same time. But don't worry. We threw them all away. We we bundled them up, tied it up, and just threw it out. And I saw the trash guy take it, so no one will ever see it. Okay, bye. Uh, And then we get a pretty fun scene where Andy's like, I'm just going to go out on patrol. And and Barney goes, I'm just going to go check some stuff out. And they all, like, one at a time. They show back up at the dump. Second time this season, everybody's just been wandering through the dump. Mm -hmm. Apparently there's no guard or anything to it. It's just a place you can wander into. Yeah. Last time it was to look for pornography. Yeah. So it kind of is this time too. Andy is there first, then Barney, and then uh, Aunt B. And they're all like, we're all here for the same reason. Let's Let's just leave it alone. Let's just figure it out. And then they do find the uh, the stack of newspapers, and they're like, and "Okay, well, well, they're all there under the pretense of they want to make sure it gets burned, and they yeah. like find it." And there's even a trash can fire. Yeah, and it's, and it's like throwing the ring into Mount Doom. Like, throw it. <laughs> yeah, like. At the last second, Andy is just like, all right, let's just all fucking admit why we're here. And he just like hands them each a copy, which. And they all sit there in the middle of the night with their flashlights reading the gossip rag. And it's very funny, which like, according to like the current trend, all Andy and his friend have been writing down is mean shit that they've said. So I'm I'm assuming that it's just like still mean shit that they said. So they're just basically like. I, I have <laughs> I haven't been here for the hot goss that you guys have been saying, but like, was the plan for this newspaper to for it to just be like mean shit that Barney says quarterly? Like, I mean, today that'll get you put that on Twitter and it'll get you a book deal and a short lived show on CBS. And by today, I mean, 10 years ago. Yes, we're so in step that doesn't that doesn't work anymore. Which, that barely worked 10 years ago. I had that book. I had shit my dad says. I don't know why I had it. Uh, it, it, was, it was also very clearly completely made up. Uh, I do remember there being a recurring gag of there uh, of like uh, this, this guy's dad supposedly missing every event in his life because of what happened on the Kentucky Derby weekend. <sighs> It used to be so much easier. It used to be so much easier to do shit like this. Uh, I I swear to to God. As a country, we used to have no entertainment standards whatsoever. 
Now you so, gotta be able that, to do backflips and shit. Swear to God, man. Got you. Gotta like make everything video. You gotta point to words. Please don't make me point to the words. I don't want to point to the words. Uh, all right. That's that's it, right? That's how the, the episode kind of closes out. Uh, is them sitting in the dark, staring at this with with flashlights. I like this. Yeah, it uh, it has the faintest hint of a moral lesson. Again, Opie kind of. Oh wait, no, we forgot the stinger, which is kind of my favorite part. Which okay. is, oh, Op- Opie comes in and is like, "I got a new newspaper," and they're like, "What the fuck." No, you didn't. And he's like, it's okay. I did it within the parameters you set. I'm only writing about children. And they, they're they like, okay, I guess that's cool. And they assume it went back to like the initial way it was, which was like, Lisa fell down and scraped her knee. And they read it and it is juicy goss about his contemporaries in the class where it's like, but it's, it's all, it's still got that like meanness to it of like, Lisa didn't invite her best friend to the birthday party. Like little Susie has two boyfriends and they yeah, don't like, know about each other. It's like Brian's been carrying Anna's books, but does he know that she writes notes to Hector? Like just real. And like Andy and Barney, like look, just kind of like share a sensible parents chuckle. And I, wanted them to just go like, he's going to get his fucking ass kicked. Yeah. No, like, this kid's going to, like, I think, I think, I think sometimes Opie is as, going to learn a moral lesson just after the episode when a kid beat the shit out of him for this. I think that as a parent, sometimes like the only way to teach the lesson is to let someone else teach the lesson. Yeah. Like, boy's going to learn one way or another. <laughs> I, Really, the moral lesson of this episode is uh, your mouth has been writing checks. Your ass is going to check <laughs> is going to cash <laughs> like that is really of like, like you talk shit. You're going to get fucked up, kid. This, Which, this, this, this episode ends in the fuck around period. He, you can imagine the find out period happens immediately after the credits roll. Directed yes. by Kobe Ruskin. Like Which again, you can't you can't teach that to a child. You just need to let them learn it themselves in hopefully a, a non-lethal way. So yeah, this is I I yeah, so Opie is about to learn a hard, hard lesson when he goes into the playground on Monday and gets his fucking teeth kicked in. So yeah, it's Andy meter. I'm gonna say like a nine. I'm gonna say like a nine. It's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed myself on this one. Actually, hang on. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna temper my expectations here. I'm gonna say an eight just because the episode that comes after this I liked more. So, I, so this this is his like the last of his one of his last episodes, right? Like Bullock, yeah, Harvey Bullock's. Yeah, this is his so second to last one. Batman like descends from the rafters. He does like the cape glide to get down to the ground, even though it's like not that high up. He's just being dramatic. And he like yeah. holds out his hand and he's like, you finally did it, Bullock. I'm proud of you. Like I knew you had it in you. I was your harshest critic because I knew you could write a good fucking episode. Eventually. I'm the bat. And then he flies off. I'll get you someday, Batman. <laughs> You see, yeah. you see, listeners. There's a, a Batman character whose name is Harvey Bullock, and he's no. <laughs> the, the, oh, okay. The Venn diagram between people that listen to this podcast and people that do not immediately associate Harvey Bullock with the character from Batman could not be farther apart. They oh, are yeah. in different universes. Oh, I there know, is... I know. I, I, at this point, me expl- me explaining the joke at this point is part of the joke. Like, like okay, like, I, I, if you were a listener of this podcast and you, before this episode, did not know who Harvey Bullock is, is shoot a, shoot me a DM and I'll give you my, I'll mail you my toe. I will cut off my toe and send it to you. <laughs> All right. If you exist, like, look me in the eye and tell me that. Well, we Dan, now- you know, 
I actually have a weapon here that you can use yes. to cut that toe off very cleanly. So I have here this wonderful Viking axe that I bought from Battling Blades. Battling Blades is the place on the internet where you can get the best handcrafted weaponry, swords, axes, knives at reasonable prices, high quality. And if you go to, this is not a joke. This is for reals. I know we've like, I know we've boy who cried wolf this numerous times, but if you go to battlingblades.com and use the discount code Mayberry, you'll get 10% off of your order. This is true. (laughs) I'm not making this one up. This is a fight. Which he hasn't given me the axe yet, but he has waved it around on camera several times while we've recorded this. And I got to say, looks pretty sick. It's a great axe. I think our endorsement is just going to be like, Every week will be like a different thing I hit with the axe. Be like, watermelon went right through it. It was so cool. I've got a feeling they're not going to like that I I did the lead in here of you cutting off your toe. So uh, just be clear here. Dan, don't cut off your toe with this axe. I will not be using the axe to cut off my toe. Or anyone's toes. (laughs) I, I probably won't be cutting off my toe in general. Again, because the person doesn't exist. But and and again, I really cannot emphasize this enough about that sponsorship deal. Everybody, be fucking cool. Be cool. Be <laughs> cool. Give them your money if you want. We endorse them as a business. They're cool. It's. I mean, of course we do. It's a fucking company that sells swords. Sick as shit. That axe looks dope. But like, so, don't so tell again, them about all the weird stuff we say. So again, that's battlingblades.com. Use discount code Mayberry. Battling blades. Swords. <laughs> I gotta I gotta read up on like what their deal is. <laughs> I'm assuming they have a tagline. This doesn't count. Okay. This doesn't this is we're new. All right. This is Mulligan. Mulligan. This isn't one of them. Uh, all right, we're calling it a Carrie Mulligan on this one. Andy Mir Barney Meter. Barney Meter. I'm pretty low, I think, on this one. You know? I I don't think anything, right? Like zero, right? Here, I mean, there's, the, there's, the, there's the weird sexism about the hair color, but that is so nonsensical, I don't think it did anything. It's like, it, it's some Dr. Seuss-ass sexism. It doesn't even fucking register. He might as well have just said, yeah, they're a star-bellied sneeze. Like, yeah. It, the the Barney meter is like so dusty and covered in cobwebs. Like occasionally we just give it a kick to see if it still works. Like, I do mean, you want to put a do you want to put a one on the meter just to see if it it work if it if it if we feel anything? I mean, we only yeah, sure, just sure, just just like 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 lighting a lighter over your thumb just to see how like how long you can hold the flame there. Sure. Like just, you got to start a car every now and then to make sure that it, right, it right. stays running. The, like, uh, the Barney meter kind of like. We're going to give we're going to give the Barney meter a charity one. Just to, yeah, just, yeah. just throw just, a one in there. Just, see just to make sure the battery's working. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, our new favorite, the new Barney, the Goober meter, which this one's tricky. Yeah, so the goober meter, which is how sick of this shit is is Andy. How close to a full mental breakdown Andy is. I'm going to say this is two or three because it is still partially Andy going like, oh, no, this town is hell. Yes. But I think he's having a decent time with his kids. So Andy, Andy basically like Andy kind of is with opiates like i cannot do this with you anymore like though you know what your moral lesson is this week stop being such a dipshit like <laughs> like it's kind of him basically refusing to do their bit it's like like you are so goddamn stupid how are you this fucking stupid you almost ruined my life today shut the fuck up and just running off so it, it's it's on there he's on the board i'd say like a I mean, his kid almost like ruined his life today. <laughs> and he's like, at the end, Opie is like, are you mad at me? And he's like, I'm too tired to be mad at you. And I can't begin to explain what you did wrong. So let's say no. Like, I'm, I'll put it at like a four. All right. I think that's fair. That's fair. He gets pretty mad at his kid. 
I mean, yeah, but that's that's not that's that's him being mad at his kid. It's not him being mad at the town, right? It's not him being mad at his life, his existence there. I'm sticking with the two. All right. All, all right, so that's it for us. Uh, as always, you can support us with your money dollars at patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. That'll get you access to early episodes, bonus materials, all sorts of other goodies. Hang out in our Discord, make us watch stuff that you want us to watch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, that's patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. Uh, Just drop the bonus f- where we watched Boba Bo, Boba Boba Bo, Boba Bo, which... Yeah, was sure a thing that happened to us. If that means anything to you, or if that doesn't mean anything to you, you should just flock to it. Um, Did we actually drop that? I didn't see it on the Patreon. Yeah, it's in there. Okay, cool. Uh, Please, if you like the show, tell your friends. Give us likes and reviews and ratings, etc., etc., because that's how we promote the show anymore. If you like us, tell your friends. That's it. That's it. Yeah. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Buy an axe. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> <laughs>